Congratulations, you did it. You were just approached about a promotion. You were asked to chair a committee. You were invited to serve as president or as a member of leadership in your favorite organization. Whatever it is, you've been asked to step up and serve in leadership in your organization and your community. The possibilities are endless if it goes well. You can feel good, your team can feel good, you can get the job done with excellence and make a positive impact on everybody. Everybody wins. But with every opportunity to lead, you also will find yourself in more visible, more exposed circumstances. And this exposure can make even the most confident leader feel a little bit uncertain, right? In today's interview, my guest and I talk about being on the forefront of new projects and the personal and professional challenges of greater visibility in leadership. I'm your host, Jordan Carmack, a leadership and communication speaker and facilitator in Southeast Kentucky, and you're listening to Women of the Bluegrass, an authentic leadership development podcast for and about women leading the way in Kentucky industry. My guest today is Shelby Morrison. Shelby is a wife, a mom, a Christian, and a caffeine enthusiast, and currently serves as executive assistant for Revolutionary Racing Kentucky. She's also a 2022 graduate of Leadership Kentucky's Bright Program. She and her husband are entrepreneurs and community leaders in Ashland, Kentucky. You are listening to Women of the Bluegrass, and my name is Jordan, and I'm so excited to welcome to the show today Shelby Morrison. She's a wife, a mom, a Christian, a caffeine enthusiast, and she's also an executive assistant working for Revolutionary Racing Kentucky, which is a new quarter horse racetrack, equestrian center, and gaming center in Boyd County, which I believe broke ground in October of 2022. And it's the first track dedicated to quarter horses um, and the first track in Eastern Kentucky. Kentucky. Shelby, I'm so glad to have you on the show today. I am so glad to be here, Ms. Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me, when's the first race? The first race is actually going to be the first week of April, April 1st through 6th um, in Lexington at the Red Mile. So while our facility is under construction, the Red Mile has graciously agreed to host our races and partner with us. Um, So yeah, April 1st through the 6th at the Red Mile Lexington, everybody needs to come and check it out. That sounds great. Now, what, when will you guys have your track finished in Boyd County? So the gaming center will be, is set to be open in late October of this year. Um, So just a few months away, um, construction has already started over across the street from my office where the um, center is located. Now up on the hill for the actual equestrian center and the racetrack, um, I do believe that they're, they're talking that it will, our first race will be ran in Boyd County, possibly in 25. So we've got at least two more races at the Red Mile, this one and next year. But you're playing a long game here to build back, build back the quarter horse racing industry. Now, I'll admit, I am not super familiar with horse racing. I've been to Keeneland a couple of times, enjoyed that. What's the difference between what happens at Keeneland and what you guys are going to be doing? So when you go to Keeneland, you're looking at thoroughbreds. Um, When you come and see a quarter horse race, I like to explain it to people. It's kind of the difference between NASCAR and Formula One. Um, In NASCAR, you're going around in circles, you're doing laps. Um, Formula One, it's just a dead sprint drag strip. 
So that's kind of what, that's exactly what quarter horses do. They run as fast as they can in a dead sprint and it's so exciting. Okay. So it's a different kind of experience. Absolutely. And then a different horse, uh, different type of horse that's involved. Yep. Um, So that's really interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see more about it. And it's been a while since we've had any quarter horse racing in Kentucky, right? Absolutely. Since 1988, I think was the last time we had quarter horse racing in Kentucky. So we are very excited that the racing commission issued their final license to us. And we are so glad to be able to bring quarter horse racing, not only back to Kentucky, but to be um, at home in Eastern Kentucky. That's right. So I'd like to talk a little bit more about your work for RKY. Now, your, your title is executive assistant, but I get the feeling that you probably do a lot more than just assist on things. Tell us a little bit more about what your day-to-day work looks like. Well, I mean, honestly, it changes day to day. Um, right now, it is all wrapped up in getting ready for Red Mile. Um, we're planning events. We're making sure we have tents. We have, um, we have enough... Um, staff. We're, we're hiring staff. I'm running HR for the staff at Red Mile right now. I've got, um, I'm planning the hospitality events with um, our team and our executives. Um, it's, it's a lot. Um, and then, you know, in the, that's, that's the forefront right now. That's the focus is Red Mile and getting the race meet and getting it there and making sure that we've got all the breeders and the trainers and everybody ready to go. And then at the same time, in the back of our mind, okay, we've got We've got the gaming center across across the street. Like we need to start on that. We have engineers meeting on the design and all that last week, and got that finalized. And now we're breaking we're breaking uh, open on that. And it's it, there's so many moving parts. It's all running together and yeah. uh, lots it, of project it, management. It sounds oh like. absolutely absolutely very 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 many irons in the fire. <laughs> <laughs> so. You, I noticed, are the only woman on the executive team. What's that like? Um, it's fun. I mean, yeah. we we have a really great team. Um, we, I mean, I we we collaborate really well. Um, and I think that I'm able to lean into a lot more of my strengths as far as organization and strategy and making sure and and thinking of the things that they might not think about and, you know, the minutia. So what, uh, what our executive, like our executives like to say that they're, they're the big idea guys and they, they, they see point A and point B and I handle everything in between. And we, I mean, we work well together and I, and I really love our executive team because they, they empower me. They trust my judgment. They're like, Hey, Shelby, go do this. However you get it done. That's fine. Just go. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. We're a really great team. That's amazing. Now it's, it's funny. You said you work with a lot of vision people. So, um, I am an everything disc certified, um, partner and facilitator. And so a big passionate, uh, just super passionate about, about disc. And we were talking before the recording started. Um, and I mentioned that, you know, I'm an, I'm an eye style, so mm-hmm. I'm usually a big picture. Let's get excited about things. Obviously, if anybody's been listening to this podcast for a while, they've picked up on that. Um, but you mentioned that you're a C style and mm-hmm. C styles are, um, really focused on those details on effectiveness and efficiency and, um, work smarter 
harder, not harder. Yeah. Um, and so I just can definitely see how that skill set that you have is so valuable to your team when putting together something of this magnitude mm-hmm. is because you are making sure none of those details fall through the craps, cracks while your overall team is casting vision and focused on mm-hmm. those other on those other results. But now a lot of it sounds like some PR things, some event planning. You're not a beginner when it comes to that relationship management stuff. So what what got you to this point in your career? What were you doing before this? Well, um, m- many moons ago, um, I was a relationship banker at um, a large corporate bank in our area. I did that for many, many years. Um, but really what got me into my role, how I became a part of the RKY team was um, I helped head up the organization of our groundbreaking ceremony. Um, and I solely got thrown into that because um, I had to help I had to help my husband organize some things that he was doing for work because RKY is a client of his. And I helped do some administrative stuff that he was working on. And, you know, I'm, I've met with the guys and, you know, went over everything with them. And they were like, hey, you were really helpful on that. Could you could you help us with this? And I was like, Sure, that's fine. I can put to, I can help put together an event for 500 people with, you know, three weeks. That's fine. It's great. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a great event. It was a wonderful event. It was great for the community. Um, but after that, they called me and they were like, hey, we we want you to we want you to work with us like we, we couldn't have done it without you. And it the the I can't stress enough how wonderful the people that our, our higher ups, our executives, the guys that came in and really, they, they truly care about the community. They care about the people. They, they, every time they're in town, they're always hanging out with the people here in the community. They know their way around. Like they're always asking questions of how can they help? What can they do? What's important to Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia and what makes Boyd County, Boyd County. And that's so that's so important to me. And that really is what really solidified my decision of, yeah, these are the kind of people I want to work for because they've, they've, they've shown time and time and again, that they're not talk. They, they literally put their money where their mouth is and they take, they take care of the people that, you know, work hard and, you know, it, you're rewarded for your hard work. And that's Mm. fantastic. I love the people. I love the people that I work for and work with. Hey, well, listen, you can't ask for anything more than that when it comes to, to, to work. Um, one of the things that I love about your story that I just want to um, point out to my listeners, they didn't catch it, is that you were given a task. You went in, you did a great job, and somebody else noticed. Mm-hmm. And that's what led to your next position. I know some of my listeners might be in the early years of their career and they've got big dreams, but I think sometimes we can overlook, it really is important to just do a fantastic job where you are. Mm -hmm. And you can have those big dreams and be working on your side hustle or your small business. Those are absolutely important things, Mm -hmm. but your reputation as somebody who does good work is where it has to begin because Mm -hmm. your next opportunity could come from somebody else noticing just like happened with you. Absolutely. Um, that's just so valuable. Um, now you mentioned your husband just a second ago, um, TJ, Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of that's actually, you know, we usually in the first few minutes of the podcast, we always get to talk about, you know, how I, how I came in contact with the guests that week, but we connected because of our husbands and both of them are charismatic, 
passionate advocates for Kentucky. I think they're both Kentucky colonels. They're both bright mm-hmm. graduates of which you are now also as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys just celebrated your 10 year anniversary. Did I see that? We did. We did. <laughs> We've been married 10 years. We've been together for 12, 13, I guess, because I guess technically this is year 11. So 13 years together now. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So you guys, you know, he's, he's got his business initiatives and you're working hard with RKY and you guys have two kids, like Mm -hmm. y'all are go-getters. So what's your secret to juggling all of those things? Well, um, definitely a lot of prayer. I mean, Mm. I mean, we, we would not be where we are right now if it not were, if, if it were not for the grace of God. Um, and we are reminded of that every single day um, because there are, I mean, there are days where it's just, it, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard juggling everything and two kids and health and life and our parents and all the things. And, you know, we, we are reminded every single day that our, our marriage is not about us. Our marriage is a reflection of the gospel. And sometimes we just have to take a step back and remember that. (laughs) But um, that's definitely, that is the glue that holds us together. Other than the fact that, I mean, I can't, I, I literally cannot remember my life before him. Um, He's just, he's, he's always been my constant and my rock. And we, we lean on each other. We bounce ideas off each other. We, we joke a lot that um, the secret sauce is the fact that we're not afraid to hurt each other's feelings. (laughs) Like we will be blunt and honest with each other when we need to be and we'll we'll get mad and then we'll get over it you know but at the end of the day like sometimes love means rebuke and uh, a loving rebuke goes a long way and um i'm grateful for a man my husband that will tell me when i need to be told and mm. that's 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 the secret i guess <laughs> Well, so I think that's really, it's interesting knowing, you know, you mentioned your disc style is is you're a C style and you have a C style. So that speaks directly to you. I think if I don't always take that kind of feedback quite that well, (laughs) but that's also my style. And so your self-awareness of knowing, Hey, I need somebody to be direct with me to to keep me grounded to do those things like means that you're able to communicate more effectively because you understand yourself first and foremost, and then you're able to have that common ground because I I do want to point this out. You know, we see this question a lot. And anytime you talk about relationships or marriages is what's the secret. And I'd like to start there because it's, it's just the standard question, but every relationship secret might be a little bit different because the two parties in every relationship Mm -hmm. are going to be different. Absolutely. So what do you guys do knowing that you have those things, especially those business things in common? And what do you guys do day to day that invests in that and helps you stay on the same page? Um, well, well, we, we pray together every morning. Um, us and our kids on the way to school, we, we make a big deal about taking our kids to school, waking up together, t- getting the kids ready together, taking the kids to school together. Um, we pray together on the way to school, us and the kids. Um, and then I think, I think the big thing that TJ and I are really focused on is we really try to keep our work and our home separate. 
Um, and I know that that's kind of difficult since the company I work for is a client of his. I mean, obviously we have to work together at some point, but like if, if he has a conversation with one of our executives, I don't hear about it unless I'm supposed to be privy to that conversation. And I make sure that if, you know, I have a conversation with like, we, we don't discuss work at home. We just don't. Um, mm -hmm. And that is, and that's something that we've always done. Even when we didn't work in the same industry in the same circles, we really try to keep work and home really separate because I mean, we run in a lot of the same circles and it, it can just get messy. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we have seen like examples of husbands and wives that, take work home and they work together all day and they're home together. And we have seen examples of what not to do. And we are very careful and cautious and aware of, we don't want to be that we are teammates. We are not adversaries and we always want to be building each other up. And that's, that's the focus. So we try to, we try to keep on that path. And sometimes it takes us looking at each other and saying, Hey, remember we're on the same team. I'm on your team. Um, we're not working against each other. But, um, you know, it's, it's not perfect rainbows and butterflies all the time, but I mean, what is right. Wow. But it yeah. is well, and the, a great partnership. Yeah. Well, there is no actual secret, but I loved what you said about you're not adversaries, especially whenever you are partnering and, and raising kids and yes, you're married and, and you love one another. But then when your work starts to be added to this, it is so important. Or even if you are just brainstorming ideas or using each other as a sounding board, it's so easy for that to become adversarial if you don't mm -hmm. agree. And so yeah. having really healthy boundaries in place can help keep some of those things separate when it does come to feelings and, and you don't support me and all of those different things. You have and, to be able to set healthy boundaries. And sometimes I have to keep myself in check because I can fall into, you know, what society says that I should be as a working mom. And, you know, I need to, you know, assert my own, my own opinion and my authority, no matter what. And no, like I, sometimes I, I, and I know that people hate this word, but I firmly believe and I, I submit to my husband's authority. I trust his headship. I trust his leadership. And sometimes when he's giving me advice that I don't agree with, sometimes I, I have to begrudgingly grin and bear and agree with his decision and follow through. And I will say 90, 99% of the time he's correct. He's right. And, but you know, it's that, and that, but that's, that's us, that's what works for us personally. Um, and that's the model that I set after our children that, you know, I, I, I believe in their dad. He is, he is my leader. He's their leader. And that's, that's the model for our family and what works for us. And it's helped a lot personally and professionally. It, it seems like maybe because it's grounded in respect. It is. It is grounded in respect and servant leadership. Mm. That's it's it's a it's a joyful submission. It's not a it's not a you know you're under my thumb kind of thing. It's a I genuinely want the good for you. I want to help you, and that's yeah. that's that's what we do for each other. It's about out serving, out, mm -hmm. outdoing one another in love. Outdoing right? one another in love. Absolutely. So you mentioned some of the cultural stereotypes of maybe what a working mom should look like. And mm -hmm. I don't think I could have a podcast devoted to women and business without 
occasionally talking about some of these um, tensions, I think, that we undergo as working moms. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say the biggest tension you face is between parenting well, but then also doing your work well and advocating for your community? I can tell you're a passionate advocate for Boyd County, yeah. um, and that's something you guys do together. Um, what's the biggest tension you think you face in those things? Gosh, I mean... I could go down the rabbit hole. I mean, mom guilt's a thing, but I mean, I don't know. I Now that our kids are older, our kids are nine and 10. Um, so, I mean, our, we're able to, the kids are able to be more involved now. It's not a lot of leaving them behind. Um, they're able to be more involved and um, do things with us. Um, so that is a really good thing for us to be able to parent well and ha- set the example for our kids. But the hardest was thing there I tension in the beginning, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Was there oh. tension in the beginning when they were young in terms of how your time was spent? Yeah, that was, that was the hardest thing. The, the, the mom guilt. And I know TJ felt it too. I mean, there was a time where, I mean, he had, he worked, he drove two hours to work and two hours home every single day. Like he, he would never see the kids. Um, so, I mean, that, that was hard when, when they were young and, you know, especially us starting out, we were struggling financially. Both of us had to work. Um, the children were really young. We, we were away from them a lot and that was tough. Um, but now they're able to go and do more things with us to be a part of things, um, to, they, they know their state representatives and their legislators, and they think it's really, really cool that daddy can just call up people and mom can just call up people. They think that's awesome. Um, but now the tension is balancing our work in the community and how it affects the kids' lives at school, um, how it's written about in the paper what other parents say to their kids about the work that we do or the people we work for. And I mean, it's affected them in some ways. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, I mean, we've had, I mean, kids have, kids have, you know, teased our kids about their dad and, you know, I've said, you know, things that their parents have said derogatory about us and um, Mm -hmm. you know, life in the public eye. It's, and the thing is, is that we're not really in the public eye. You know what I mean? I mean, we're not anyone special. We just, you know, we, we like to help in our community and we're passionate about it. And, you know, TJ, TJ more so than me, he has taken much of the brunt work. Um, but it's, it's hard when you see it affect the kids and it's hard. What's really hard is not to let the mama bear come out because I have, I have to sit back and, you know, he, he's a big boy. He can fight his own battles. I will never fight a battle for him. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard not to get defensive because that's, that's your people, you know, but I think the kid, the kids have, they're, they're very, um, quick witted like their father and they're, they're good with a comeback. And I don't think it affects them much, but I, I know remembering being a kid, you know, it's kids are cruel. And I mean, adults are cruel, let's be honest, but I mean, Right. That I think that's that's the hardest thing now, especially in the day today's day and age of, you know, Facebook and social media and every, everybody has an opinion. 
everybody's got mm-hmm. it and they're going to tell, they're going to tell you about it and they're right. And you're not going to change it. Yeah. And so it's, it's navigating that with the kids and sh- trying to shield them from that and teach them yeah. discernment and wisdom. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's rough. I think anytime you, it doesn't matter what kind of business you own or what position you hold. If you have an active presence in your community, whether it's through elected office or um, you're you know, a member in your local chamber of commerce or mm-hmm. you're in any kind of position like that, um, you make yourself available for criticism. Scrutiny, yeah. At any level. Um, and that means for the family too. Um, mm-hmm. What are you learning if somebody else maybe is going through this same experience, um, especially if they're new to it, anything mm-hmm. that you're learning that you would share with that person? I've learned that it's okay. People's attention spans are very, very short. If it, it, it's the time, it might feel like it's going to last forever, but I promise it's only going to last two or three days before people are talking about something else. Um, now the, the scars don't stop hurting. Um, but that's when you just, I mean, you pray for them and you go on because at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we all, we have all been shown grace and we all need to be shown grace at some point. So Mm -hmm. I just turn my focus back onto what's important and that's raising my kids, doing my work, supporting my husband, you know, mm-hmm. making, making a life for making a life for our family and moving on. Cause at the end of the day, yeah. nothing, nothing's going to stop us from wanting to better Boyd County for our children. Um, mm-hmm. and that that's the end goal. So you just have to keep focused and let people talk. Yeah. I love that. The, the importance of keeping your focus on what your values are and what's important mm-hmm. to you as, as fam- as a family and mm-hmm. moving on in that, that direction. Um, there's a, there's an author I like to listen to. Her name's Amy Porterfield. She talks primarily about marketing, but she was talking about um, the impact of sort of negative self-talk. And I think whenever mm-hmm. you're faced with criticism, it can lead you to sort of get wrapped up into these spirals is what, mm-hmm. what are people saying about me? And she has the four ends, which I just think is so clever. She says, notice, notice the feeling mm-hmm. say, Oh, Hey, you know what they said that, that really hurt. Um, and mm-hmm. you can help your kids with this too. Um, normalize it. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be uncomfortable with that and to, to feel this discomfort, um, neutralize it. So remind yourself of what's true. Mm-hmm. If you're, you're struggling with feelings of not feeling good enough, well, remind yourself that you're just learning. Mm-hmm. If somebody criticizes something, remind yourself of, of what your value really is. And then she says, move on to the next best thing. What yeah. is the next best step that you can take and recognize, like you said, in the next couple of days, people are going to be talking about something else and, and move on. And I think that can really help both us as, as leaders develop mm-hmm. that emotional resilience Absolutely. over time, um, because nobody is going to be for us all the time. No. Somebody's always going to have, it doesn't matter what level of visibility that you have. Somebody's going to say, well, I want to do something different. And so developing that emotional resilience um, is, a, is a really important skill. And I think what you've talked about sort of points to that importance. Um, 
Well, Shelby, thank you so much for um, being a part of this conversation. I, I feel like I learned a little bit more about horsing, ho- horsing, horse racing, um, about what's horsing, about what's going on in, in Boyd County, um, and just learning more about, about how your family functions and how you guys are working through all of this. Um, thank you so much for your vulnerability and your willingness to share. I know um, my listeners will have learned something from today's story. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. I appreciate it. Congratulations, you did it. You were just approached about a promotion. You were asked to chair a committee. You were invited to serve as president or as a member of leadership in your favorite organization. Whatever it is, you've been asked to step up and serve in leadership in your organization and your community. The possibilities are endless if it goes well. You can feel good, your team can feel good, you can get the job done with excellence and make a positive impact on everybody. Everybody wins. But with every opportunity to lead, you also will find yourself in more visible, more exposed circumstances. And this exposure can make even the most confident leader feel a little bit uncertain, right? In today's interview, my guest and I talk about being on the forefront of new projects and the personal and professional challenges of greater visibility in leadership. I'm your host, Jordan Carmack, a leadership and communication speaker and facilitator in Southeast Kentucky, and you're listening to Women of the Bluegrass, an authentic leadership development podcast for and about women leading the way in Kentucky industry. My guest today is Shelby Morrison. Shelby is a wife, a mom, a Christian, and a caffeine enthusiast, and currently serves as executive assistant for Revolutionary Racing Kentucky. She's also a 2022 graduate of Leadership Kentucky's Bright program. She and her husband are entrepreneurs and community leaders in Ashland, Kentucky. 